want to give you three words this morning. Three words. How to finish clean and start fresh. How to finish clean, finish a year clean, and how to start fresh. This is not intended to be an exhaustive treatment of the subject, but some truth along those lines. The first word is the word release. Release. Would you say that back to me? Release. 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 The second word is the word rest. Rest. Would you say that back to me? The word rest. Release and rest. And the third word is the word receive. Say that with me. Receive. So here they are again. Release and rest and receive. If you will find your copy of the scripture and open it to the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, but unless you have the message translation or the message paraphrase of the Bible, if you don't have the message, I want you just to look up and listen. And if, Ann, we can throw it from the message up here, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. That would help. But if not, I just want you to listen. Paul is writing. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him have been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Can I get a witness? Amen. As God accurately reproduces his character in you. His translation, the translation of verse 28 goes on like this. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies, no more pretense. The act of giving a false appearance. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. 
Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgiving one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Now those verses, as I mentioned, are from the message translation, or some would call it a paraphrase of the scripture. And I have encouraged over the years the, the use of, I'm preaching from, usually do my study from, the New American Standard translation of the scripture because it seems to be a very accurate word-for-word -word rendering from the Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek into language that we can understand today. But there are going to be some passages of Scripture that maybe the word-for-word -word translation is just not going to make it real clear or cause it to connect. That's where the message can really come in to help. So if you need to give somebody a belated Christmas present, if you've got a birthday or somebody something like that coming up, you may want to request a copy of, of the message. It's been around for a few years, but it's just it was a linguistic scholar, uh, not just somebody who was trying to make certain sense out of, uh, out of difficult passages and didn't really have a background in the language. He, he, was, he is a, an expert, uh, a New Testament Greek uh, expert, and it's just, it's just very... Very well done. Well, all that was, was for free, but I, I want to encourage you to, to, as we start this new year, come out of this one year, headed into this new year, uh, just, just become absorbed. Make a habit out of being absorbed on a regular basis in the Word of God. Uh, the, 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 his, the, his, his word, the scripture says, is, is settled forever in heaven. That, that um, the, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. They've tried to burn this book. They've tried to bury this book. They've tried to do all they can to destroy the word of God, the Bible that you have. And it, and it has just last, outlasted every skeptic that has come along. Um, the Bible just just keeps right on going. The scripture just keeps right on going. And the central character of the scripture is the person we love and the person we worship and the person's presence whom we enjoy, the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus. So we are, we are Christians. We are Christians. We are ones, we believe, by his spirit with Jesus the Christ living on the inside of us. So, as we come out of one year and we're heading into another year, what about the things that we're not proud of that we've accumulated along the way in this last year? The times where we've just, just flat out gotten, gotten so mad that we couldn't see straight. And when somebody starts talking forgiveness, we, we think they got to be talking to somebody else because they don't know how mad I am. 
it's humanly impossible for me to let go of what I'm feeling in my heart. Now, the reason that we came to this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 is because it has some things to say. The two things we don't, we don't want to happen to us as a believer. We, we don't want to give the enemy, we don't want to give the devil a stronghold in our lives, number one, and Paul talks of that. And then the second thing is we, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus, the invisible person of Jesus who lives inside of us. And he, he's where we get our strength from. He's where we get the ability to love people when they're not very lovely. He's, he's where we get the ability to trust the Lord when it seems like there's, there's no reason to trust. It doesn't make sense to trust. But from some source beyond ourselves, the spirit of the living Jesus gives us the ability to believe and will give us the ability even to let go of, to release, to forgive. Let me show you. This, this is how the, how the scripture reads uh, in a more literal rendering. Uh, this is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. There's something about allowing anger to cook in you. Even if I mean, there's no qualification that it's only the wrong kind of anger or it's justifiable anger. It's just anger of any kind. That if staying mad about something, staying resentful towards someone, regardless of whether you feel like you're justified in being angry or not, there's a danger in allowing anger to keep cooking in your soul. The scripture points that out. Some folks will say, well, well the, 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 devil, the, devil can't, the devil can't possess a Christian. The devil can't really have, have ground inside a Christian. Well, the problem with that is what Paul writes. He says, don't give the devil an opportunity. The word for opportunity is literally translated a place. It's the word, the literal word that we get the word topography or, or, or maps from. Paul is saying when we allow anger to stay cooking inside of us, it has the potential to give the devil a place inside of us. It doesn't mean that we're taken to hell. It doesn't mean that we're not forgiven. It just means that there's some part of our attitude that is more in agreement with the devil than is agreement in agreement with the Lord. And he warns about that. So he says, you, you be angry, but don't let it cook. Don't let it stay there. In, in other words, what he's saying is the anger itself and the object of your anger needs to be let go of. It needs to be released. It's not to be carried by us. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. He doesn't say, vengeance is yours, so now you take out what you think somebody else has got coming against them. Vengeance is mine. Now, we... 
we read that and we understand that that's humanly impossible to do when someone has been abused or someone has been stolen from or someone has been criminally acted against and, and, and all of the other levels of reason to be hurt and to be offended and to be angry above or below those things just listed. How, how does that happen? It only happens when the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who went to the cross dying for the sins of people who hadn't yet asked to be forgiven of their sins. He, he, was, he was dying in advance. He was providing forgiveness in advance for ones who hadn't even been born yet like those of us in this room. Since so the spirit of that Jesus who has the power to release, who has the power to forgive, who has the power to drop it. It is the power, it is the spirit of that Jesus alive inside us who gives us the ability to release, to release the anger, to release the feelings of revenge, to release the feelings of great disappointment, to release the sense of why wasn't my father around? Why didn't my mother, why was my mother gone? Why would a brother say such a thing to me? All of those things that, that strike so profoundly at the very core of who we are as humans. God knows and Satan knows that that leaves us at a very vulnerable position unless he by his spirit enables us to release. And Satan will play on that. He'll work on that. He understands the perfect legalist and he, he knows. He knows the scripture. He can quote the scripture. And when he finds some follower of Jesus who just won't let go, of the anger or the unforgiveness, then the enemy has a way of trying to just keep hammering at that point and take advantage of that place of agreement inside the believer to try to defeat the believer in other areas, in other ways, and to try to grow, cause them to be disillusioned and even begin to doubt that they even know the Lord. It can all be tied back to that place, Lord, I need you to help me to be able to release this place of anger or resentment or hurt. Anybody in the room know anything about that? You know, if you live very long in this life, it just seems as if we're going to find ourselves in some situations where the Lord calls upon us to forgive and it's humanly impossible for us to drop it unless he helps us. Now, let me, here, here's, here's an important principle. To forgive somebody does not mean that all of a sudden you've changed your attitude about what it was that they did to you. What, what they did was exactly as it was. It, it was and then the Lord sees it. The Lord knows it. The, where it was criminal, where it was, it was factual and actual abuse or theft or, or, or just, just being absent, just, just, just abandoning you as a person, as a child or as a spouse. It, it isn't to forgive them. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden what they did to you wasn't all that bad, that you've got to get some kind of soft, fuzzy feeling about the things that really did hurt you. No, it doesn't mean that. The Lord sees it clearly. The facts are as the facts are, but here's what to forgive means. It means I make the choice to release them and to release what they did unto the Lord and himself. Instead of me being the one to be the judge and the jury, instead of me being the one who's going to mete out the punishment, 
I'm taking the step I'm choosing. Lord, I release him. I release them. I release that circumstance. I, I give it to you as best I can. Help me, Lord, to be able to unload it, let go of it unto you. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden that what something was done to you was not all that bad. It was every bit as bad as you knew it would be, and maybe even more with further details that only God knows. But that's why he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay says Lord. As we leave, as we come to the last few hours of this year, the thing by the help of the Spirit that we must make sure that we don't carry into this next year is any place where we are more in agreement in our hearts with Satan than we are in agreement with God specifically at the place of forgiveness and release. The cry, the prayer is, Lord, help me. Help me. You know this is hard for me to do, but I'm asking you to help me to be able to release this one, to release this unto you. That's why I keep saying that word release. Now, here's another part of that word release, is to release yourself from some of the stupid, dumb hair-brained, hot-tempered, selfish things that we've, that we've come up with in the last year. Some lies that we just seem to be victim to. We're so prone sometimes to believe the lie of rejection that we're not in. That's why that song is so powerful. You know, that, that Lord, help me, to, help me to get who you say I am. And instead of automatically just leaving the door open that I'm a, I'm, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm worthy of being rejected, and, you, and you go, we walk through life, we start our days out already believing the lie that I'm worthy of being rejected. When the truth is, the Lord doesn't pick junk. He, he, does, he, he, he chooses treasures. He picked you out. Because he saw something in you and saw something about you that the king of all creation wanted in his child. Now, we may, we may dull that image. We may, we may take some wrong turns. We may make some really just flat-out wrong and bad decisions. But that does not mean that a bad decision or a season in your life has to define who you really are. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And so, Lord, I receive that. Instead of receiving the lie that I'm always going to blow it, I'm always going to fail, I'm not going to have what it takes to get through, okay, devil, I'll agree with you that on my own, I am all those things. On my own, I'm a loser. On my own, I won't finish the task. On my own, I'm not worthy. But here's the truth. I've put my faith, I've put my trust in the, in the shepherd who came after this lost sheep. And I was hanging on a cliff just by the, just by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And he rescued me. And he drew me into his arms. And he brought me back into the fold. And I don't want to go there anymore to those other places. That's who I am. And, and Lord, help me. Help me to know that and believe that and see that. Instead of living our lives with the door propped open, 
that every time somebody comes up with something or some situation emerges that just seems like that, that it, it's the opportunity for you to be rejected one more time, automatically I'm already there. No. In Christ, I'm a new creation. You are a new creation. So, so what is it in all those categories of things that, that we need to release or to, to forgive myself? Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for believing the lies. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for doubting you. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, forgive me for doubting you. But I release the things that I've done, the choices that I've made. I, I release them unto you. I give them unto you. Sometimes the, the hardest person to forgive is yourself, you know, because we, 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 and we know better than anybody else that that there are some things that are broken and wrong inside us and that brokenness can come back up again and again. But in Christ, there again, we keep coming back to that. In Jesus, I'm a new creation. There's another kind of generator working inside me now. I'm not having to do this all on my own. There is someone inside me flexing his moral muscles. There's somebody inside me with, with furnishing me with strength that I don't have on my own. So I'm helpless without you, Lord. I'm a loser without you, Lord. I'm a sinner without you, Lord. I'm an unbelieving person without you. I'm a loveless person without you. But now that you have come to live inside me, now that you are in the process of shaping my character by degrees more and more into the likeness of your character, I am a new creator. My, my, my hope is not in me. My hope is in you. My hope is in you. So I release the things unto you that I've done that have grieved you, that haven't pleased you. Release, 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 release. I love the passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins, to release us from our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. If we confess our sins, if we say with God what God says about our sins, and we, we got to quit, you know, using the, the language of the culture to, to identify the things that God just calls sin. The culture calls it as an affair. It was an affair. God calls it adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not sleep with anybody other than your own mate, your, your husband, your wife. Adultery is everything else. You know, pick pick other stuff, you know, not take his name in vain and steal and, and coveting, all of, all, of those, all of those other things that can be, can be listed and that are, that, that are there, that by the power of the Spirit, we are able to rise above and not be victim to the defeat by those things that used to dominate. If we confess our sins, if we say with God, if we call our sins what God calls our sins. If we let the light of his truth shine in on it, if we call it what God calls it, if we, that's what to confess means, to say with God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. To do what? To forgive me. 
He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, if you, you know, you can't wear that verse out. You just can't. So sometimes it seems like we're having to go back to the Lord, maybe even several times a day, a bunch of times in a week over one particular thing, but it keeps being brought to our attention that that grieved him, that wasn't, that wasn't right in his sight. Lord, I'm saying with you, it's wrong, but I'm also saying to you, Lord, I can't fix that about me. If it's going to change, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to be the one to cleanse me from all that unrighteousness. So if we confess the sin, he's faithful to forgive, but he's also faithful to do the work of cleansing down to the deep part of who we are so that he goes to work on our want to. You know, it's not that, not that we don't really know what we shouldn't do. It's just our want to is the problem. We want to do it. It's not enough to know what is wrong. The power comes when somewhere on the inside of you, you just start losing your desire for it. No. You know what comes to mind? I am a sucker. I am a sucker for bluebell, cookies and cream. And if somebody started trying to tell me that I would, it would be possible for me to lose my desire for bluebell cookies and cream, I'd look right back and I'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. If you're expecting that to come from me, but when we understand things in the light of the Lord, even, you know, and there we go, eating too much, the, the, the gluttony part, that the Lord by his spirit is able to do a work of change on the want to part of us. How, how, you know, if I could ask you to raise your hand this morning, how many of you are here today, and I'm hoping you're here because you want to be, but in the other part of your life, the last place you'd be, the last place on planet Earth you'd be on a good sleeping in Sunday morning cold weather day when the blanket feels so good in between Christmas and New Year's that you'd be in a church house. How many of you said about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd have called you a crazy man. But he's, changed, he's doing the work of changing our want to. Amen? Now, he, he doesn't may, do it, may not do it as quick as we'd like for him to, but he's working. If we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins, cleansing to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's that part of release. Lord, I confess, I release. Help me to be able to release these things unto you and to trust that you'll give me the ability to stay at that place of not carrying them, but releasing them unto you. Second word is rest. Rest. Finish clean. That's release. Start fresh. Here's the word rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
It's not a sin to get tired. It's a human part of us to grow weary. And the Lord is saying, I understand that about people. But I'm saying to you, I have the ability to give you a kind of rest that the world and people and things and you yourself can never give to you. Two verbs, two types of verbs used, come to me. That's an imperative, come to me, come to me. Not necessarily to religion or to, uh, it's Jesus, come, come to me. All who are weary, the word there is stressing, striving, worn out from the present tense pressures on your life. Busying yourself, come to me all you who are working yourselves to exhaustion. And I will give you rest. But then the other word, the other verb, heavy laden. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Heavy laden. That's a tense that speaks of something that happened to the person who's bearing the load way back over here. Years, decades, childhood, living adulthood. But something happened way back here. The weight of which is still as strong, still as disturbing, still as paralyzing in a sense as it was when it happened. Jesus is saying, there are some things that are present tense pressures that can wear you out. But in the middle of that, I have the ability to give you a kind of rest that delivers you from being totally exhausted in your soul. You, you can still work hard. You can still have good long days and the work of your hands being expressed in many different ways. But I have the ability, you come to me in the middle of all of that, and I have the ability to give you rest. Come to me. But then also, you come to me dragging this load from your past. You come to me dragging this weight, bearing this weight of something that happened to you. You didn't do it to you. Somebody else or some situation did it to you. But the effect of what happened to you can be as profound, as strong all these years later as it was then. Jesus is saying, I know what happened to you. I, I know what that has done to you. But when you come to me, don't try to jettison those things that are wearing you out. Bring those things with you. Come to me with your weariness. Come to me with the places of abuse or deprivation or abandonment. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You know, to start into 
a brand new year, already worn out, and somebody walks up to you and says, Happy New Year. And you're thinking, you ain't got a clue. You don't know who you're talking to. Jesus is a friend of the weary. Jesus is a lover of your heart and of your soul. And so the, the things that do define you in a sense, he's not saying clean yourself up or get yourself straight or, or, or change everything before you come to me. In effect, he's saying just as you are today as a result of what happened to you yesterday or as a result of what's going on right now, come to me just as you are. And I will give you rest. That comes from the meaning of the word Rest, it means permission. The word rest means permission. That, that Greek word that was used, permission. It means I give you permission to lay it down. I give you permission as a mother, as busy as you are, feeding those babies' mouths and, and matching up those paired socks coming out of the dryer, ad infinitum, I give you you permission to lay the burden of raising those children, to lay that burden down and give it to me. That I'm not holding you responsible, Mom, for perfect children. I'm not holding you responsible, Dad, for perfect sons or daughters or a perfect professional. The, the, whatever it is that is weighing on you, that wears you out, bring it to me and I give you permission to lay it down. Lay it down in the sense that nothing will be done, abandon it, no. Lay it down in the sense, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you these snotty-nosed, middle-of-the-night crying, wild-eyed little hoodlums that have my same last name. Giving them to you. You, might, that you may be thinking I was talking about your husband you know, but, or, or somebody else. But, but what, whatever it is, whoever it be, Lord, I come to you. And I come to you with what's baggage for me. I come to you with what represents my life at this time. Now, I want to just chase, chase a rabbit here just a second. We can get ourselves worn out find ourselves worn out from the assigned responsibilities that we have as parents, as employees, as bosses, as whatever. But, but we can also wear ourselves out by, by trying to be God in somebody else's life. <laughs> you know, the only one with shoulders strong enough to be the Lord is the Lord himself. Now, I'm going to tell you this story. But this, this is such an exception to the Alamo City rule that I'm not even sure if this lady is a part of the Alamo City Fellowship or if she just happened to show up at our Christmas Eve service this last week. My 89-year-old mother-in-law, Shirley's mom, Elaine, comes to see us 
occasionally. She lives in Houston, so we're having to come get her and take her back. So she's not able to come a whole lot. But when she comes, she just loves to come to church, just loves to come to Alamo City. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Christmas Eve service, Monday night, this week. She was standing right here, greeting our, our children were here, our married children, and our grandson here. There was some point in the service, I'm not sure exactly when it was, when there was a meet and greet time. We welcome, had a chance to welcome. A lady walked up to Elaine and introduced herself. Now, I don't know who this is, because if I had known who this is, that had already been a phone call, and I wouldn't be telling this story, all right? lady walked up to Elaine, found out who she was, that she was the pastor's wife's mother. And she said, well, where is Shirley? That's, that's my wife. And to which Elaine said, well, she's at home getting the Christmas Eve meal ready for everybody. <laughs> to which this lady says, well, you need to go tell her that as the pastor's wife, she needs to be here supporting her husband and supporting this church. What all, what all she said. And then just walked off. Now, you know, I don't get mad at a lot of things. But, but I, I can take off this pastor hat in a situation like that and, and, and put on Rambo right here. You, you, mess, you mess with my girl, you mess with our children, you mess, it, it's, just, it's just real hard. I thought, you know, and that, that was the initial reaction. It just crushed Elaine. It made Elaine, she's 89 years old, that meant I'm a bad mother because my grown daughter doesn't come to church on Christmas Eve service. You know, the thing is, the thing is, just, just stay in your lane. There was, a, there was a YouTube video of some little girl, her dad was trying to tell her to do something, and she's a little bitty two or three-year-old, and she from the back seat, just out of her car seat, just starts saying, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. That's, you know, for, for a woman who has been driving here for 32 years, has watched thousands of people come and thousands of people go, who has preached in this pulpit multiple times, who beyond all of that has had the burden upon her shoulder of having to listen to this loud mouth for 42 years. Listen, honey, honey, if she wants to check out on a Christmas Eve service for the rest of her life, she can check out. And we don't care. What, what you, you know, so which brings up you know, another whole point, and that's why I'm saying this just isn't an Alamo City. That's just not an Alamo City deal. Because I've told you since, the, since before the earth's crust hardened that, that if, if it comes down to a choice between this church and my wife, this church and my family, don't make me choose because the church will lose. The church will lose in that sense. They come first. It was, it was, it was the Lord, and then it was the family, and then it was everything else. So... You know, my goodness. I, it's just, the burden that that can, how, how would you like to be married to that woman? 
How would you like to be married to that woman? Walking up, where you been? Where you been and how long you been there and what you been doing that for? Uh-huh. Tell me, tell me, tell me. As if, as if I'm Barney Fife, I got my one bullet and I'm locked and loaded and I'm coming after you. Your person like that, bless her heart. She's going to wear herself out. And in the process, she's going to hurt a bunch of people. That, here comes here's this 89-year-old mother-in-law of the pastor and mother of the pastor's wife, and she just basically just, just kind of hit a, hit a, hit a, caused a bruise in the heart of this 89-year-old woman who waited two or three days to even say something to her daughter about it. Shirley told me, I, I didn't make it. I didn't make it tonight. I didn't make it. I didn't make the service. And we just had the agreement. I don't want you coming unless you want to be there. Because <laughs> if, you, if, you if you're there and you don't want to be there, no matter what I say, it's not going to be good. So you just, you just stay home. But she said, I asked the Lord. Lord, do you, all the preparations, all the stuff going on, do you, you know, I mean, I had told everybody I would go. I'll be there. But she said, you know, I just felt like the Lord said, well, just do what you want to do. So she opted to stay home. We got there. The table was ready. We were ready to eat. The candles were lit. You know, all everything was ready. We were able to have Christmas. And, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The fear of man brings a snare. So to live our lives trying to make sure somebody doesn't get upset. And what somebody's set of opinions really are. Well, we've got to marry up them. Forget it. It's a, it's a bondage. It's a prison. I, you know, so, dear sister, if you're here today, <laughs> and there's no sense of an immediate desire to apologize to my mother-in-law and apologize to my wife, you need to find yourself another church. And don't let the back door. <laughs> I won't go there. I won't go there. That, that's really it. That really is. Just, just walking around, try, running everybody else's business, running everybody. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And a part of what he may do to give us rest is say, just mind your own business. Child, child, let me be God. <laughs> and you tend to what you can tend to. All right, there's... There's, there's, there's rest. They that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. Now, what is it that only the Lord can do? Most things people and all things God. Changing people convincing people, correcting people so that it sticks. We can lean into those things. But folks, if, 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 if it's something that's going to be really changed, the Lord has to do it. And he's not holding us responsible for the outcome of human choices. We're answerable for our own choices. All things people. But then we wait on the Lord to do all things God. All things God. And we know that He causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. There's rest in that. 
Instead of us try feeling like we've got to be God, we, we've got to make this thing happen, we've got to, the Lord says, when you're weary, you come to me. And he helps to separate the chaff from the wheat. What are the things that are wearing us out? And are there some of those things we're being worn out about that, that we're taking up that we shouldn't be taking up, that we should just be turning over to him? And then what are the things that he's saying, believe me, trust me in this. I have a plan. I will cause it to work together for good. So that's rest. You got permission to rest. There's nothing spiritual about being so worn out all the time you don't have a joyful thought in your mind. <laughs> you know, just, just tuckered out all the time. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In thy presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Lord, will you help me to be able to lay this stuff down enough so that I can enter into your presence, enjoy your presence, and then from that place to be strengthened, revived again, and your joy fill me. Instead of just being consumed, by the minutiae and the endless details that can wear us out or by the, the memories that can come up and just try to pile up and to defeat us. Come to me. All who we called it at one time when we worked on that, a deep rest for a deep tired. Jesus can give you a deep rest for a deep tired. As we move into this year and as we live out this year, may that be true. The last word, receive. To receive. To receive. That means that we identify where our source of strength really is. And then we allow that source of strength to flow into us, to invigorate us, to renew us, to refresh us, to encourage us. That's why Paul would say, Ephesians 5.18, and he put it as a command to the church after he'd said all of these things about how they were to live right and what they were to do to stop doing and start doing. He, he, the summary phrase of it all, the, the apex of the whole thing, here's the command. I command you to allow yourselves continuously to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is the heart of God. It's the desire of the Lord to fill us up. The word means to cram, to, to, to just keep packing in until there's no more airspace and until it just starts coming out the top, to cram, to be, command you to allow yourselves. It's passive. To allow you. You don't fill yourself. He fills you. Allow, to allow yourselves to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus would say in Acts chapter 1 8, don't, don't start out trying to go out and trying to evangelize the world. I'll give you the Great Commission, but you're not to leave here until something happens, until you are clothed with power from on high, until the power of the living Christ invisibly comes to live inside you, and it will be his strength that will enable you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world.
Folks, and the enemy's tried to go a long way with this and just, and just steal some things, privileges from Christians. To be filled with the Spirit, to live a life moving into, to stay fresh in the 2019. It's not about becoming some weirdo, wacko, crazy, nutso kind of a so-called Christian. It's just somebody who is breathing, desiring as regularly as I would breathe oxygen that I am breathing in the filling of the Spirit of the living Christ, that he would fill me with his breath, fill me with his Spirit, even though I don't have a microphone to stand behind on Sunday, even though my job may be a pair of pliers, it may be a keyboard, it, it, it may be a steering wheel, but wherever I am, Whoever I'm with, fill me, Lord, with your spirit. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit. So that what dominates me is not just my personality and my wants and my wishes. but Fill me with your spirit. Here's an interesting correlation. Being drunk with wine and being filled with the spirit. It's spoken of in Acts, spoken of in Ephesians. Paul will say, don't get drunk with wine because that's waste, that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea is don't let yourself be brought under the control of wine to the point that it causes you to act like a fool, that you lose your senses. But he runs that alongside what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Allow yourselves to be filled with the controlling presence of the Spirit of Jesus. As wine will take you in a place that will make a fool out of you, being under the control of, filled with the active presence and power of the presence of Jesus inside you will take you to a place of greatness and fulfillment and purpose and direction and consistency like you've never known before. Don't waste yourself on alcohol drunkenness, but allow yourselves to be brought under the influence of the living spirit, of the living Christ. Okay, and I, I, I know right there, I've just kind of, some of you just kind of checked out on me because you think that's a little too radical for me. Listen, what would it be like if the living Jesus Christ actually came alive in you at your desk? Not, not causing you to do weird things, but just, just causing you to be more alive. When there's somebody with a broken heart, you got a heart for the broken heart instead of running from them. There's a situation in business that you can't figure out. It's an administrative deal. It's a logistical deal. It's a personnel deal. Instead of just staring at our navel and trying to get the strength to figure this out from just looking inside, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Your spirit of knowledge, your spirit of wisdom, your spirit of power, fill me, Lord, with your spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, businessmen, I'm telling you, business ladies, that if you will pray to be filled with the spirit at your desk, in the middle of your regular life, at the sink, at home, wherever you are, Lord, fill me, you will find yourself getting a dimension of ability and insight, and understanding, and strength that you never knew you had before, and it's because he's answering your prayer.
He's filling you. Don't leave this truth just with a poor preacher. Well, you got to have a reverend by your name in order to be filled. Or it's all just about Sunday school teaching. It's all just about church. It's all just about benevolent work. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I dare you in 2019 to take it as an opportunity. Take it as your privilege. As you start your day, as you're driving to work, as you're sitting in your slot in the parking lot, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to see with your eyes. Help me to think with your mind. Help me to hear with your eyes. Help me to be motivated with your heart. And there'll be some tales to tell around here. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He said, it would be better for me that I go away because if I don't go away, the spirit will not come. But if I go away and I send my spirit back, you will know my presence in you wherever you are. Not just one presence of Jesus in one geographic and time location, but wherever the people of God are, wherever ones born of the spirit are, there the presence of Jesus will make his, uh, himself known. Amen. So it doesn't matter what we didn't do in 2018. It didn't matter what we failed in in 2018. There's fresh power and there's fresh mercy and there are works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in that we hadn't even seen yet because the days haven't come. But there are works that he has in mind for us to accomplish by the power of his spirit, by his life flowing through us. You're a champion. You're not a chicken. You're, a, you're, you're courageous and not a coward by the life of the Spirit working inside us. Amen. 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 All right. All right. We better, we better shut her down right there. We'll be here till New Year's Day. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this place. Thank you for your heart and your people in this place and around this nation, around this world that are part of our time together today. Please, Please, Lord, keep us in the place of leaning upon you and looking to you and bringing the things that wear us out, bringing them to you so that we may find rest in you. By the power of your Spirit, Lord, give us the ability to release these things we've talked about unto you and then to be able to receive the filling of your Spirit, to receive the filling of your Spirit, to receive the filling of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.